Praise the Lord. I am, uh, I'm glad I'm in church this morning. There's a lot of places uh, I could be, and a lot of places you could be this morning, and I believe uh, we are exactly in the center of God's will this morning being at Madison Baptist Church. Uh, it is an honor and privilege in our country that we still have a church to come to, and uh, I'm, again, I'm thankful I'm in church this morning. I'm thankful that uh, God has never given up on me, and uh, He will never give up on me. I'm still a work in progress as well as you are, and uh, we can rejoice in that fact that God's still working on each of us, and uh, I'm just thankful I have an opportunity to preach this morning, and uh, just asking the Spirit of God to uh, uh, move in our midst as we hear the Word of God. I know uh, for a fact that I'm not a polished preacher. I don't have pro- uh, polished outlines, and so with that being said, I know this, that God does anything. It's going to be God that does it. And that's an exciting thing. So if you'll turn your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we're going to look at the subject this morning. And this is going to be the recurring theme uh, about the question. The, the sermon title this morning is a question, will you refuse? And so the whole message is about refusing. Will you refuse? I want you to think about that, that, that question right here. Will you refuse? Are you going to absolutely refuse uh, to do what God would have you to do? Are you absolutely going to refuse Uh, The things that you hear today, the things that maybe you're convicted by the Spirit of God today, are you just going to refuse? Will you refuse? Uh, Look in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect of the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let's pray. Father, we come again before your throne Uh, This morning, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come to Madison Baptist Church to hear your word proclaimed. Uh, This morning, we pray that we'd each be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, that he would take the uh, word of God deep in each of our hearts, that we'd make decisions, that you would reveal things to us, and that you'd help us not to refuse, not to refuse what you're trying to do in our life, uh, but there are things that you do want us to refuse, and we pray that you give us discernment and wisdom uh, to choose rightly and to refuse rightly. Uh, And I pray today... Uh, those that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, those that in the depths of their heart do not know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die, that they simply by faith would tr- choose you today. They would stop refusing. They would accept Christ. And Lord, would you do your perfect will and way in each life, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our key uh, verse this morning is about uh, Moses refusing to be called the child of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he made an absolute, absolute refusal Uh, He wasn't going to be identified with the world. Uh, He had rather suffer affliction with the people of God. This is an amazing choice that uh, Moses had made. Uh, And I see here as he suffered the affliction affliction with the people of God, I began to think to myself, if there is affliction in my life, if there's loss or sickness or pain, there's there's not any other group of people upon the planet that I would like to suffer that affliction with than the people of God in this church right now. Uh, If we're going to suffer affliction as Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, uh, he chose not to be called uh, Pharaoh's daughter to get all the prestige that the world had to offer. 
uh, he refused to be called the, 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 daughter, the, excuse me, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, we see here also he, uh, in, in verse 25, uh, he, it says he chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy uh, the pleasures of sin for a season. We know that sin and sinful decision and sinful things we do uh, do have a sense of pleasure to them at times, uh, but the end of the consequences are not worth it. Uh, it is not worth to dabble in sin, to mess around with sin, because the wages of sin is still death. And when you get into sin, uh, the consequences and the reaping that comes after that is not even, uh, you don't even want to mess around with that. Uh, even though sin can be pleasure, uh, pleasurous at times, uh, the inconsequences are the wages of death. But then verse 26, he esteemed uh, the reproach of Christ greater riches uh, than the treasures of Egypt. And that esteem is that's estimating, value, thinking, deeming, uh, the reproach, that's an object of contempt, uh, scorn, or derision. And we know this, that the world rejects the true, the true Jesus Christ. Uh, they reject him. They reject his word. Uh, but we'd rather have the esteem. Uh, we, he, we, we, we basically esteem the reproach of Christ greater uh, than the riches of this world or the riches of Egypt. For he had re- uh, respect for the recompense of the reward. Uh, He had respect to the reward that was to come that we're not going to see necessarily on this side of glory, uh, but be guaranteed that in heaven there are great rewards for those that fear God, for those that obey God, for those uh, that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There are great rewards for that. Uh, But I want to look at this Moses this morning, uh, how he chose, he made a decision to refuse uh, to be called uh, the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So if you would turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. Uh, Exodus chapter chapter one, and I want to tell you a little bit about um, this word refuse. As you look at Exodus chapter one, uh, we're going to look at the the story here of the birth of Moses in Exodus chapter one. I was studying this and saw some things in the Word of God that got me pretty excited this week, and I'll do my best to show, uh, share that with you in the excitement. But I've shared it with so many people. Uh, you're like, well, I've already heard that before. You may not get as excited as when I saw it, but uh, that word refuse uh, is used 59 times in the Word of God. Refuse or refused. Uh, there's nine times that the word refusest is used, and, and uh, so about 69 times the word refuse is re- referred to in the Word of God. Uh, it is to n- deny a request, a demand, an invitation, or command. Uh, to decline to do or to grant what is solicited, claimed, or commanded. Uh, to decline to accept what is offered as to uh, uh, refuse an offer or to refuse an offer. Uh, to reject as to refuse instruction or reproof. Note, refuse expresses rejection more strongly uh, than, the, uh, than the, the word decline. And let me give you some scripture uh, examples where the word refuse is used. In Proverbs 21, 25, it says this, The desire of the slowful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. And that is applicable for our world today. Uh, Unfortunately, this world has conditioned people to be slowful. And there are people uh, that are out there that refuse to labor with their hands. They refuse to work. Uh, And that's a sign of, uh, of the day that we live in right now. In Jeremiah 8, 5, it says this, why then is the people of Jerusalem slidden back as a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Again, it's used in Jeremiah thirteen ten. This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as a girdle, which is good for nothing. 
Uh, so that word refuse is a very powerful word. And I have some personal uh, examples of in my life that I absolutely refused uh, to do some things. Uh, if you don't know this, you know it now. I love corn. I absolutely love corn. Uh, corn is a staple dish. Anytime you're having a big meal, I want corn. Uh, matter of fact, my first, uh, my first Thanksgiving with the Allison family, I had married Carrie in, in uh, um, uh, October of, man, let me get this right, October of 2006. <laughs> October 20th, right? That is, okay, yeah, October 20th, 2006. Uh, and the next, the next month, the Allison crew drove down to Texas City, Texas, where we were living at the time. And uh, we had a 600-foot bedroom, uh, not bedroom, but a one-bedroom apartment uh, that we were living in our first little uh, home as a married couple. And so you have Miss Allison, Brother Allison, you have uh, Gary and Kathy, Ashley, and all the way up to baby Stephen. The rest of them, uh, Abigail wasn't born yet, uh, but they're all in this 600-foot square home. Uh, and we are crowded upon crowded, and we're doing our first family Thanksgiving in that little kitchen that we had in there. And I love corn so much, but I didn't know the tradition of the Allison family. They did not cook corn at Thanksgiving. I know. That's... And I'll be perfectly honest. I'm kind of embarrassed of this. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I want some ham. I want some turkey. I want some mashed potatoes. And I want some corn. And I'm, I'm pretty good right, right there. Uh, that's just where I live. I'm good right there. And the other thing they didn't have uh, that Thanksgiving, they didn't have any mashed potatoes. So, I catch myself as a fifth grade kid pouting as I'm walking back to my place of eating. All I've had is a little turkey and a little ham on the plate. And I'm sitting there with my lip hanging out. And my spirit was grieved. I'm sitting down to eat. No mashed potatoes, no corn. Just, I'm sitting there like a little kid eating this. Uh, but from that point on, I've asked my wife, humbly, I've asked my wife uh, to refuse to go to any other Thanksgiving where we do not have mashed potatoes and corn. And... To, our, to the success of the last 17, this 17 years, this October, every year afterwards, we have had mashed potatoes, and she's a professional mashed potato cooker now. Uh, even the twice-baked mashed potatoes, just you put those in your pocket and take them home with you. They're just so good. Uh, and corn, every Thanksgiving, we've had that stuff now. I refuse to not have, I mean, I understand we could go through great famines, and, you know, at that point, I may even start eating tomatoes at that point, but whatever. <laughs> Um, but a story about refusing, this is one of my early childhood memories. Of course, my, my family was divorced uh, when I was two, so every other weekend we go to Dad's house, and this weekend was Dad's weekend to have us. Uh, he decided to take us to uh, one of his boss's house uh, there for dinner. They were having some fellowship, and his boss there in uh, uh, Lamarck, Texas, we went over there, and uh, his boss there uh, on the stove, this guy had big corn. I've never seen big corn before in my life, and I was so excited uh, that we were going to have big corn. And uh, I loaded my plate with that big corn. I just, I was so excited to sit down and, and eat and uh, just have this great fellowship. And I sit down and I put this stuff in my mouth, and I don't have a clue what in the world that was, but it wasn't, I mean, it is corn, but it wasn't corn. Something called hominy. <laughs> what in the world is that stuff? Anyhow. My dad's of the old school. If you don't eat it, you're not getting up. And I'll tell you, till 9 or 10 o'clock that night when we left that house, I still hadn't got up from that plate. I refused to eat that hominy. It just did something to my heart. I absolutely refused it. Uh, so there are times in my life that I refused some things. Uh, getting a little bit more spiritual after I got born again. I got born again 21 years ago. I took Christ as my personal Savior. 
Uh, I got saved out of a Catholic religion. I grew up trusting in my works. I grew up in a false religion. And uh, what happened is, is my grandpa ended up dying. My grandpa and grandma were in Hitchcock, Texas. They were uh, full, full Catholic. I mean, they were Catholic to the kilt, to the point uh, where we're at. We called him Peepaw. We were at Peepaw's funeral. Uh, they're baptized in the casket with smoke and all this other stuff. And uh, our family, my, uh, my mom had five brothers and sisters, so our family is there in the, Catholic, the Catholic Church. Uh, our Lady of Fathom there in Hitchcock, Texas, and we're all, there's probably about 40 or 50 of us. Uh, we're, we're standing on this side where the family goes for the funeral. You know, they have their special spot. Uh, and the Catholic priest uh, wanted, to be a, uh, wanted to bless each member of the family. Uh, so he had all the family line up behind him, and he sit there and did this stiff right here to him to bless them. Now, I've known enough Bible, I got saved out of stuff, know that he's not blessing anybody. Any blessing that comes from God, any blessing we have comes from God. And I'm a lone wolf standing in the pew of that Catholic church as all the family is falling out. I refuse to go in front of that guy and, and have him do some, uh, some of this stuff to me. I absolutely refuse. Uh, and my dad, who wasn't part of our family, was in the back watching. He told me later, he said, I was watching you see what you would do. I was wondering if you're going to go up there or not. Uh, but I refused to go up there, and, and the first independent Baptist church that I joined, uh, this was in Texas City, Texas, the first independent Baptist church that I joined, uh, and I had just got newly saved. I had got baptized in that church. Uh, we started to do the Lord's Supper, and uh, they actually used alcoholic wine in the Lord's Supper. And uh, as I began to grow in the Lord, as God began to convict about that issue of alcohol, uh, how wicked it is, how it's not to be for the child of God, how that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. I called my pastor on a Wednesday night because I have enough character to call the pastor, let him know why I'm not going to be there. And I said, I refuse to drink alcohol at the Lord's Supper. Uh, I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm not going to drink any of that stuff. So I refuse to go back to that church. And my pa- that pastor uh, chewed me out that day. Uh, but I refuse to be part of a church uh, where there's going to be alcohol served. Uh, and let me tell you why, because God saved me uh, from alcohol. Uh, God, I don't mean to keep getting choked up, but God gave me a family. And uh, bless God, my family, is, as much as I can help it, which is much life in me, my family will never taste alcohol. And, and bless the Lord, it will not be at the house of God, I promise you that. And so I refuse to that. But this story of Moses is amazing how that he was born. Uh, absolutely amazing story. We, we pick up reading about verse 15, uh, verse 15 uh, in chapter 1, uh, where it says here, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was uh, Shifra, the other one was Pua. Uh, and he said, When ye do the office of midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then you shall, shall save her alive. Uh, now this is about as wicked as it gets. Uh, but they knew the difference between boys and girls, by the way. Uh, they said, if this is a son, you kill him. If it's a daughter, you keep him alive. Uh, look at verse 17. But the, midwives, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt uh, commanded them, but saved the men children alive. Uh, and the king of Egypt called the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing? Uh, why have you saved the men children, the men children alive? Uh, and the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the, the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, uh, for they are lively and are deli- delivered ere the midwives uh, come unto them. Uh, therefore, God dwelt, uh, dwelt well with the midwives, uh, and the people mi- uh, multiplied and waxed very mighty. So we see here this story, 
And I'm going to tell you right now that two heroes of the faith is this Shifra and this Pua. Uh, these are heroes of the faith that don't get a lot of credit most of the time. Uh, but these were the midwives that were told to kill the, the midchildren of the nation of Israel uh, to kill these boys. Uh, but what happened is these women feared God. Uh, that fearing God is they, they, they esteem God's moral demands. They outweighed the command of Pharaoh. Uh, and this may be, and the word of God as we study it, the may, this may be the first civil disobedience that we have. Uh, where they decided not to obey a command coming down from the government uh, to kill children. Uh, and I'll remind you that any time that a law comes down uh, that is contrary, uh, that the civil government gives out a law that's contrary to God's law, uh, we are not to obey the civil government when it's contrary to God's law. Uh, the first one is about the gospel. If they come out and say, you're not going to give out the gospel, you'll be thrown in jail, then I'm not going to obey the, the command to not give out the gospel because uh, it, it, it is absolute necessity that I preach the gospel. People will die and go to hell if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, and so they're not going to take that away. And if they do, I'm not going to obey it. If they give out decrees, I'm not going to obey it. If they uh, give out mandates or say you can't do this and can't do that, uh, we're still going to do it. Now, I'm very careful on some of these no solicitation neighborhoods, but bless God, they need the gospel too. Uh, so we send letters into the mail and try to get them gospel through letters. We try to get the gospel into those neighborhoods. Uh, but in the book of Acts, I believe uh, the Apostle Paul and some of the apostles uh, knew this testimony of not obeying the government uh, when, when a law that, that, that uh, goes against what God has told them to do. In Acts chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 27, it says, And when they had brought them, uh, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And the correlation of this is uh, the Hebrew young men uh, versus eternal souls and mankind. The Hebrew midwives were saving the eternal souls. Uh, we share the gospel. Now, I am a proponent of, of, of civil obedience as long as it doesn't uh, uh, supersede the law of God. I, I think you should obey the civil government. That's why I pay taxes and buckle my seatbelt, things of that nature. But when it poses the law of God, then, then you disobey that. Uh, another thing is, brother, if the government tries to take my kids, I'm going to fight for my kids. And they've already said that they're coming after our kids. They've already said that publicly. They're coming after our kids. And don't think it's any strange thing. They're going to come through the mandates of the government. They're going to come through the schools. They're going to come from the television. And I'm going to fight for my kids. Uh, the, the government is not getting my kids. They're not going to give the philosophy of all this transgender stuff and all this uh, homosexual stuff. I'm against all that. Why? Because God is against it. None of it is godly. None of it is right. And I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for them, even though the government and, and all the wicked people associated with the government wants to take them. I'm going to do everything I can to fight for my children. And if they're going to come and take them, then, then we're, we're just going to fight for our kids. And you see all across this country, the parents rising up. Finally, they're, they're fed up with it. And I'm sorry, but in the 90s, when I was going to school, my parents should have been at the school board fed up with that stuff. Uh, they're teaching us sex education in the schools when you don't need to be learning about that stuff until you get married, period. 
And, and I'm, I'm not going over all the different evolution things that they taught us facts in the school. They didn't teach us about God. They taught us about evolution in the schools. And it corrupted my mind from the very beginning. My parents should have been at the school board. But now that they want to uh, teach little kids uh, that they're actually boys when they're girls or girls when they're boys, now the parents are up and roaring and they're getting shut down at some of these uh, PTA meetings and these school board meetings. Uh, it's going on around all of our country if you hadn't been paying attention. Uh, they're after the kids. Anyway, we back to these Hebrew midwives. Uh, this is an amazing thing. Look at verse uh, 19 real quick. I have a quick commercial uh, because I saw this and I want to encourage you. Uh, this is the testimony of these two uh, heroes of the faith. It said, the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because, look what it says, the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. That was their testimony. All right? So here's my testimony. Christian women, don't be like the women of the world. That somebody can see that there is a difference on purpose. Don't fall victim to their fashion. Don't fall victim to their faith. Don't fall victim to their family, uh, any of their, their dealings. Christian women, do not be like the women of the world. Uh, these Hebrew midwives saw it. They said these Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they're lively. You do it lively. You do it energetic with character. Uh, do not be like them. Do not be like the women of the world. Uh, that word lively, by the way, is brisk, vigorous, animated, spirited, strong, energetic. Uh, that's how that you're not like the women of this world on purpose. Uh, refuse their friends, refuse their fashion, refuse their faith, and refuse their family are their types of family that they're offering. All right, so then we see here as we move on, we see the blessing of fearing the Lord. Uh, and this is absolutely amazing that we see here. Look at verse 20. Uh, 20. Uh, Therefore God dwelt well. Uh, with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty because of what they did. And I'd never seen this before. I'm sure it's been preached on, but verse 21, and it came to pass because the midwives feared God. Look what God did, that he made them houses. I think that's fascinating. Uh, matter of fact, this house program did not need a developer, an architect, a builder, a sales consultant for the builder, design center consultant, a, a construction manager, a different trade contractor, uh, inspector, no building permits, no deck permits, no stairs, no steps, no handrail permits. Uh, the blessing of God that he built them house. He probably used some of the Egyptian people to build them house on a, Egyptian land. But God, because they chose to fear him, he gave them great reward and great favor and great blessing. Uh, and I just give testimony of the house that I have. I have a foreclosure uh, that I live in right now that was move-in ready. And I know now the, the, the term is turnkey or whatever. Uh, but it was move-in ready and God was a part of us getting that house. You can ask Brother Rosser, uh, Ms. Tracy, you can ask them. God was in part of us getting that house. And I'm talking about a temporal house. I know this, but by fearing God, God blesses, and you can't say, anyone cannot say here today where you're living that God did not have a part of where you're living right now. That God did not have a hand in building your house, uh, especially if you live over in Priceville on about 100 acres. Uh, man, that God did not have a hand in building the place that you live. Uh, God is in the house building business, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I think also about uh, uh, not only that, but my, my church home that he's given me. Uh, the house at Madison Baptist Church, a family uh, uh, a, a refuge, a place you can come around God's people to be encouraged. I believe because of the blessing of God that he give, he's given us a place in Madison, Alabama, where we can come and worship him and be edified that he built us a house uh, because of, of, of us fearing God and obeying God. And that we also know of, of the eternal house that he has already built us. Uh, for in John chapter 
uh, 14, the Bible says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, so we know that there's already mansions eternally that he's prepared for all those uh, that have taken Christ as their personal Savior. He has prepared them uh, houses, and, and we do praise God for that, that he's in the house building business. Uh, but we look on in the, in the, in the, in the passage here. Uh, we look at chapter 2 now. Moses is then born. Uh, he set afloat in a, a basket of, of bulrushes. Uh, look what it says uh, beginning in uh, verse Uh, Verse 2, and a woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months, and when she could no longer, and that's a miracle that she hid him three months. I've had some three-months-old children in my house, and there's no hiding them. I'm sorry, there's just no hiding them. So this is a miracle in itself that she was able to hide that baby for three months. Uh, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him uh, three months, and when she could no longer hide him, uh, she took him. Uh, she took for him an ark of bulrush and da- uh, daubed it uh, with slime and with pitch, and the child there uh, therein. And she laid it uh, in the flag by the river's bank. And here's another hero of this seri- uh, story. I, th- I believe it's Miriam, uh, but his sister stood afar off to wit uh, what would be done to him. Uh, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down and washed herself at the river. And her maids walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid uh, to fetch it. And when she had opened it, uh, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister speaks up. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, uh, Shall I go and and call a nurse to the Hebrew women, and she may uh, nurse the child? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. And then mom gets paid to feed her own baby. Then Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take the child away uh, and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. But that's an amazing story about the birth of Moses. And uh, amongst all that, he still refused to be identified with the world. Uh, He refused to be identified with the nation of Israel. Uh, and so now we get to uh, a point in the, in the message that we kind of transition. And I want to look at three uh, things or three areas that you should not refuse. Three areas that you should not refuse. And the first one is you should not refuse the gift of eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home. If you don't know for sure that if you died in a car wreck heading home today. I want you to listen up very clearly right now. Don't refuse the gift of eternal life. Uh, The gift of eternal life cannot be worked for. It cannot be earned. uh, It cannot be bought. And and it definitely can't be deserved. Uh, The Holy Spirit is present with us right now. And there's three things that the Holy Spirit of God is, is convicting and convincing us of. Number one is that everyone has sinned. There's not a person in this place that has not sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, We are all sinners and because we sin... Um, because we are sinners, we sin. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also uh, going to convict you of the fact that you have no righteousness. Uh, there's not one person, if you can listen to me very clearly right now, there's not one person in here that has righteousness of your own self. Uh, all of our righteousness, separate from Christ, is as filthy rags. We have no righteousness separate from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, that you've sinned against God's love and God's law. 
uh, that maybe you've lied, maybe you've stolen, maybe you've taken the name of God in vain, uh, maybe you've committed adultery or fornication, maybe you have just sinned against God, and because of that, uh, there's an awful penalty of death upon you. And that's the third thing the Holy Spirit will convict you of judgment to come. You see, for all those that don't take Christ as their personal Savior and they die without Jesus, they end up in hell and ultimately a place called the lake of fire. Uh, death in hell is cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. If you're here today and you have not decided to take Christ as your personal Savior, I ask you not to refuse the gift of eternal life. It's free. Uh, Jesus Christ, almost 2,000 years ago, because he loved you, he allowed them uh, to place him on an old rugged cross. And they put nails in his hands. Uh, and this is God, uh, 100% God, uh, robed in human flesh. And, and when they put those nails in his hands, they pierced his hand. They put a crown of thorns upon him. And the whole while, he's bleeding and shedding his blood to pay for every sin of the entire world. There's not a person that has ever been born or ever will be born that their sin debt has not already been paid for. You can think of the most wicked person on the planet, that person's sin debt has been paid for. And I can think of some pretty wicked people, not just the people I grew up with, but people from uh, the past and some of the wars. Those people could have had forgiveness, but they refused to accept the free gift of eternal life because they refused Jesus Christ. You cannot go to heaven by church, baptism, by works. You can only go to heaven by humbling yourself, identifying that you've sinned, you're worthy of death, and that Jesus Christ and his love and mercy can save you and give you eternal life. Do not refuse uh, the gift of eternal life. Matter of fact, it doesn't have to be a big show. Uh, for you to get saved, you could close your eyes right now. And if you're, if you're really convicted that you sinned against God and the Holy Spirit is really working in you, that if you die without Jesus right now, hell would be your home, you can close your eyes right now. Be sorry for your sin. This is true biblical repentance. When you're sorry for sinning against God, I'm sorry for sinning against you. I'm sorry for my, all the things I've done against you. And right now, in the depths and the quiets of your heart, you can cry out, Jesus Christ, I now accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me my sins. Take me to heaven. You can do it right now in your pew. You can get born again. Ask Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior right now. And then from this day forward, the only reason you'd be going to heaven is because Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. No other reason. If you have Christ, you have life. If you don't have Christ, you do not have life. He says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Right now, if you humble yourself and confess Him as Lord, believe on Him with all your heart, right now, He'll save you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and give you the gift of eternal life. Right now, in your pew, if you'll cry out to Him, Jesus, save me, forgive me. I now accept you as Lord and Savior. And if somebody were to ask you, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You would say yes, and, and then we would say why. And you would say, because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. No other answer would do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to go to heaven? Don't refuse the free gift of eternal life. It's free. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot brag about what we've done to get to heaven. Jesus paid it all, and when you come to him and accept him, he gives you eternal life. That's the new birth. He shed his blood. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and he's ready to accept you. But are you going to refuse him? Are you going to refuse to believe on him, to accept him? Don't refuse the free gift of eternal life. 
in 19, uh, excuse me, 1830, George Wilson was uh, convicted of robbing the U.S. mail and was sentenced to be hanged. President Andrew B- uh, Jackson issued a pardon for Wilson, but he refused to accept it. The matter went to the Chief Justice, John Marshall, who concluded that Wilson would have to be executed. A pardon is a slip of paper, wrote Marshall, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. For some, the news of a pardon comes too late. For others, the pardon's not even accepted. So today, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, and there are some folks in here maybe that don't know for sure, would you ask Jesus Christ to save your soul today, forgive you, and give you eternal life? And the second one is don't refuse to obey the Lord. Uh, If you're a believer, don't refuse to obey the Lord. Uh, Jonah was told to go give a message to the people of Nineveh, uh, but Jonah in his wickedness hated the people of Nineveh, and he ran from God. He ran from giving the message to the people of Nineveh, and he ran on a boat. When the people of the boat found out what he was doing and what, what he was about, they threw him overboard. Uh, we're not going to have God judge us because you're a prophet running from God. And when they threw him overboard, a big, whale, uh, big fish, big whale came and uh, swallowed Brother Jonah until he humbled himself in that whale's belly and got right with God. And that whale vomited uh, jo- Jonah upon the beach. And finally, finally, uh, he goes into Nineveh to tell them the message. And it wasn't even a spirit-filled or heart-filled message. Uh, basically, repent because in, in such and such days, you're going to be destroyed if you don't. Uh, the Ninevites got the message and Jonah got upset that those people even got re, uh, revival. Uh, but he refused to obey God until he didn't. Uh, but then there's another group of people called the Hebrew children that we know uh, who were told to bow down to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had uh, erected and they refused to bow before that idol. Uh, they refused to give homage to another god, uh, and they were end up cast into a fire, fiery furnace because of it. Uh, but in Nehemiah, talking about this issue of obedience, uh, Nehemiah gives the record of the, the nation of Israel as they uh, were released from captivity. Uh, and it says in Nehemiah 9, 17, And they refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, And in their rebellion appointed a captain to return uh, to bondage. But thou art God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsook them not. But the testimony of them, also uh, the children of Ephraim. In Psalm 78, 9 through 12, it says the children of Ephraim being armed uh, and, and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his commandment and wonders. Uh, that they had showed them marvelous things did he in their sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and the, and the field of Zion. So they uh, refused to obey the commandments of God. They refused to obey God. So don't refuse to obey God. Don't refuse to obey the commandments of God. And again, I know we hear this all the time and it's vitally important that we hear it, but we do not keep the commandments to go to heaven. But once you're saved, we are to keep the commandments of, of God. Uh, and that's everything he commands about anything. Church attendance. Giving, forgiving, witnessing, forgiving, loving. Whatever God commands us, we are to obey his commandments and not refuse it. You say, well, why do you keep preaching on refusing the commandments, refusing forgiving, uh, refusing divisions, refusing uh, all these other things? Because I know that it's in our church. Uh, We have divisions in our church. 
I know when we were on visitation yesterday on Saturday, we weren't hardly filled at all in that visitation room. And I know I've heard it. I've heard it time and time again that you can uh, witness when you're at the Walmart, and I believe you should. You can witness at the gas station, and I think you should. But, but the church time for visitation is Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And if, if you wanted to obey the commandments of God, go ahead and submit to that and come on out and let's go knock some doors and try to win people to Christ. Uh, house to house, door to door, they cease not to teach Jesus Christ every day. And that's just one of the commandments. What about giving? What about forgiving? But not refusing to obey the commandments of God. Stop refusing the commandments of God. Stop refusing what God is trying to do in your heart, to work in your heart, to make you more Christ-like. We had a, a man that, was, that is 75 years old. Uh, and yesterday, uh, his whole Christian life, as far as I know, he refused to go out soul winning. As far as I know. Uh, but yesterday, that brother in Christ came out soul winning for the first time. Uh, he stopped refusing and, and I, I wanted to come this morning and tell you the story that four people got saved and another one got right with God and they're all here this morning. Uh, but none of that happened. But you know what? There was faithfulness to go out and share the truth of the word of God. Stop refusing. And you know, and the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you right now if you have been for refusing uh, the commandments of God about these issues. Uh, in 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Uh, Luke 6, 44, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? 1 Peter 1, 14 and 16, as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Don't refuse the commandments of God and I must hasten. Uh, don't refuse the principle of, of God's word. And I, I want to get here just for a minute. I'm going to run out of time talking about this, but the principles of God's word. God's word, I want you to listen to me this morning. These are vitally important for your, uh, for your health, for your growth. Is not forsaking or not refusing the principles of God's word. Uh, the dictionary defines a principle as a general rule or a truth based on other truths, a rule of personal conduct, a primary source, uh, a fundamental case, um, according to Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, a principle is a means whereby we discern both good and evil. Whereas a command is a decree, uh, a definite action of prohibition, a principle delivers a guiding policy which can then be applied to non-specific situation. There are numerous principles given throughout the word of God. The Lord has not given us specific instructions on every single cir circumstance and possible situation that may occur in, in our life. Uh, we deal most of these uh, through the things and the applications and principles. For example, I'll give you quickly four examples. Uh, the believer is not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, that's found in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. Don't refuse that. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So what's the principle? This principle speaks of marriage. Uh, there's not, you ought not to be marrying unbelievers. Uh, matter of fact, if you're, a, if, you're an if you're a saved believer, a saved Christian... Uh, and you're an independent fundamental Baptist, you should be marrying a saved Christian who is an independent fundamental Baptist. All right, the principle is don't, be, don't yoke up with people that have a different gospel. Don't yoke up with people that have a different belief about the gospel. Uh, also, not only that, but in business partnerships. Uh, we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So in business uh, principles, what about in church associations? What about in recreational so associations? 
recreation. You think you ought to be yoking up with unbelievers when you, when you, have, when you play sports, you go out and do all these other things. Being around ungodly people that do not know Christ, do not have the knowledge of Christ. And bless God, unless you're evangelizing the people that you're playing with, then you ought not to be out there uh, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the principle that we have in that. And we need to hear it loud uh, because we have people making decisions where they're yoking up with the lost world. They're yoking up with people. And you do not realize that that's going to draw you away from the truth of God. It's going to draw you away from the church of God. Make sure you're not yoking up. I must hasten to abstain from all appearances of evil. Not, what ju- not just what is wrong, but what looks wrong or may give a wrong message. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So that matters what you wear. Uh, if it's evil, I, and I, I know I'm running out of time right here. I have tattoos. I had tattoos from when I was lost. Uh, but you'll never see them. I'll never wear a shirt that shows them. And I do my best in the house to cover that garbage up. And I will preach against tattoos. Well, you got tattoos. You're a hypocrite. No, I preach against tattoos because I, I got those when I was lost. No Christian, no believer ought to be marking their body for any reason whatsoever. I have these tattoos and you will not see them. I will not put on, we used to call them wife beaters when I grew up. I I guess they're called tank tops now, but uh, I will not be wearing one of those. I'm not going to wear stuff that makes me look like a lost person of the world. I'm not wearing any of that stuff on purpose. Why? No appearance of evil whatsoever. You're not going to see me with appearance of evil on purpose. I'm careful of the shirts I put on. I'm careful the way that I look, the way I walk, the way I talk, the things I do when I drive. No appearance of evil. That's the principle. And, and applying that principle, uh, we do all to the glory of God. This principle must be turned into question. Uh, and what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing, is it for the glory of God? What I'm thinking, what, what I'm criticizing, what I'm saying, what I'm posting, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I'm eating, what I'm drinking. Is this to the glory of God? The one who saved me, the one who gave me eternal life is what I'm doing right now. Am I, what, what I'm participating in right now is this bringing glory to the one who one day I will stand before and meet. Is my lifestyle, is my faithfulness, is the things that I partake in, is that bringing glory to God? The principle is everything you do, you should do it to bring glory to God. And then the last one of the principles, and I, and I, have, to, I have to stop talking, and then I'm going to give one more point, and then I'll stop talking, but uh, the believer's body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is a temple close, uh, Holy Ghost. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, if you are a born-again believer, you have the Holy Ghost dwelling in you, and wherever you go, you take the Holy Spirit of God with you. And the Bible talks about we're not to be brought under the influence or the power of anyone other than the Holy Spirit. So the principle is, is Even though the word nicotine or smoking is not in our Bible, you are not to smoke nicotine because then you're under the power and control of nicotine. And I'm speaking from experience before I I got saved. I was a smoker and that stuff has a hook on it. It will hook you and all of a sudden you're in power and control. And I know there are Christians out there, well, it ain't wrong to smoke. And there's probably Christians out there smoking. No, you ought not to be doing that. Just like you ought to not to be taking drugs, whether they be uh, illegal or prescription, getting on the influence of things that changes and alters your mind, your behavior, and now you're in the, under the power of this stuff. No, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that leads us to the last point, and I'll stop. Don't refuse the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, from a personal experience, salvation, he's, he's leading everyone here. If you have not take Christ as Savior, uh, to trust Christ as Savior. Uh, there are times where the Holy Spirit is... Has, um, has led me to witness to somebody, and I, sh- I just outrightly refused. And I, this is some seven years later, and I still haven't gotten over it. 
refused to do what the Holy Spirit of God has said. And I, I don't know what happened to that person I was supposed to witness to, but it haunts me because I refused uh, to witness. Uh, there are times the Holy Spirit leads me to give of my time, treasure, talent, financially, but not grieving the Holy Spirit of God, but refusing to be led by the Spirit of God. It's also interesting that the Holy Spirit of God is, is called a comforter. Uh, the Scripture calls him a comforter. Jesus says, I will send the comforter. He'll abide with you forever. Uh, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. But when the comforter has come, uh, nevertheless, it, uh, I tell you a truth is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, uh, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He is a comforter. He comforts us in our affliction. He comforts us in the times that we need him most. God indeed will never leave us and forsake us. Uh, he has left us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Why? Because we all need a comforter. Uh, there's not a person in here who doesn't need to be comforted constantly by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, we all, because we have this flesh, uh, we need to be comforted of the Spirit of God. But there's a verse in, in Psalm 77 two. Uh, it says this, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night, and ceased not, my soul refused to be comforted. Absolutely refused to be comforted. I'm asking you today, uh, if you're going through a hard time in your life, if you're going through some, some way the devil is attacking you uh, with all kinds of depression and discouragement, do not refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. He will comfort you today. Do not refuse His comfort and, and give it all to God. Let us strive not to refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and again, I'm going to say this last point probably three different times. I am a Baptist preacher, by the way. So, but anyway, do not refuse to die to self. Um, in, in Acts 25, 11, uh, for, and this is what Paul said. And it says, for if I be an offender and have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, there, there, things thereof, then uh, these accuse me. No man may deliver, deliver me unto thee. I appeal to Caesar. And then he also said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. Uh, this is going to be the success for any decision you make today is to die to yourself. Uh, living the crucified Christian life. Uh, and I'll close with this verse, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the question is, will you refuse? Will you refuse to separate from the world? Will you refuse to be accepted or to accept the free gift of eternal life by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you refuse to obey the commandments of God? Will you refuse to die daily to self? Those are the questions. Uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, asking you, uh, and so what we'll do now is we'll pray and we'll have the invitation. Father in heaven, we come before you and uh, we do thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for all the provisions that you give us. Thank you for the opportunities we have uh, not to refuse uh, what you've done for us. Father, I pray today, uh, if there's someone in the congregation, someone that has visited with us today that does not know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die, but they would not refuse what you're doing in their heart even right now as you're convicting their heart, that they would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and they would humble themselves and they would accept you as their personal Savior today, now and forever, that you'd give them eternal life. And I pray for believers, Father. I pray for each of us that we would stop refusing to obey, stop refusing your leadership, stop refusing what you're trying to do in our lives to make us more Christ-like. 
And Father, I pray that you continue to work in our midst. And we'll thank you for all you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name.